Like our content, it's funded by viewers like you. Please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of New Church Live today. Friends, good morning. Pastor Chuck Blair here at New Church Live. Wonderful to have you joining us, whether you're joining us in person or online. It's great to have you here. Before we get started, just a quick little public service announcement. We will be headed down to Florida coming up. And again, if you're watching us at a different time of year or a different location, we do these trips on occasion. We're going to be down in the Vero Beach area over President's Day weekend. If you are a Floridian and within striking distance, we're actually going to have a special service down there. We're going to have another person covering the service up here. would love for you to be part of that. If that has any interest, you know, again, you can shoot me a text. And as always, all this information is on our homepage. So today what we're talking about is, is this, these different ways of knowing. Like, how do we know stuff? And it's, it's fascinating to think about, about knowledge and how knowledge works, not from a, you know, big esoteric way, but, but what do we really know? What do we really know? A book I have loved for years is a book by Parker Palmer, who's a Christian Quaker, and he has this book called Hidden Wholeness. And it's this idea that, that deep within us is this, is this well of knowledge, this, this part of us that sort of knows stuff. And how do we get down to that? How do we start to understand the world from those deeper forms of knowledge that, that can inform our lives in, in incredibly beautiful ways and can bring us back to basics? It's, it's not complicated. I mean, it's just interesting when we pull back to that deep knowledge, how life sort of simplifies. I mean, folks, just think of it this way. Probably all of us in here know someone who just has that kind of knowledge. I know I've been very privileged to work for a couple of wonderful, wonderful bosses, and they just had a way. I'd be all kerfuffled, all worried, all this, all that, all the other thing. And they would just come and say, Chuck, just remember this. Meaning simple example, I used to work at admissions in a, in a, in a private school, and uh, the local private school right here, Academy of the New Church. And working in admissions, I remember being upset about uh, a student who I thought was going to come to school but didn't, and, you know, it's part of my job. And, and this person, my supervisor at the time, was like, Chuck, just worry about the people that are here now. Oh, like, don't we love that kind of knowledge where someone can just distill it so simply that it's like, oh, it's just, it's just back to basics. Back to basics. This New Yorker cartoon had me giggle. How guaranteed how to have long, luscious hair in two easy steps. One, have short, luscious hair. Two, don't cut it. <laughs> I like that, right? Like, like, it is that simple sometimes. I mean, how many times have we, we looked at something and go like, actually, this isn't that complicated. A certain part of our brain makes it very complicated. But when we get down to the knowledge, I think that God would ask us to live from, it actually ends up being pretty simple. And we start to understand this idea of true wisdom. This is True wisdom from a Christian new church perspective. Divine truth that flows from God's divine love. So it's, it's, it's this idea that true wisdom is truth flowing out of love. That, that we say this a lot in here, that, that love has its own wisdom. That's where you want to come from. True wisdom consists in our seeing that we have life and being from the Lord alone and nothing whatever from ourselves. And I could put in there, thank goodness, the sight and perception of this is the very soul and life of all wisdom. And there's this beautiful paradox that, that, that God wants us to understand. Look, all of it's gift. I mean, just live in that place, right? All of it's gift. 
and you get to use these gifts as if they were their own, as if they were your own. They're from God, and we get to experience them as our own. It was, it was interesting yesterday, you know, as I'm saying, interesting with a conversation with someone, and, and uh, my wife and I had some dinner guests over, and one of the guests, her father, had been a, been a composer. And, and he said, yeah, he, Dad would talk about when he was composing music, how the music was really moving through him, like he was writing it on the page, but there was something moving through him. That's what this is talking about. That knowledge where we just find ourselves in a, in a beautiful place of just this deep knowing, this knowing that moves through us. Now, we're going to be looking over the next two weeks at, at two ways of knowing. Pharaoh versus Solomon. So this may sound like, what? Pharaoh versus Solomon. Well, let me give you a little background here. So the Bible has many different pharaohs and kings and this and that and the other thing. And, and when you look at it, we, one way to look at that is that, yeah, it's literally true, but it's also a poetic truth. It also is in a poetic form talking about those things that rule our lives. What is the royalty in your life? Who is the ruler? And a real, I mean, we can look at a million different things, but the one I want to look at with you that I think would be great for us to have a conversation around together is this idea of Pharaoh versus Solomon. Now, in the Bible, way back into the Old Testament, way, way back into the Old Testament and a little bit into the New Testament, there was Pharaoh, you know, the ruler of Egypt, which we all know, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you know, the song and the, the pyramids and all that stuff. There's Pharaoh, ruler of a foreign country, Egypt. He plays a very large role in the history and development of Israel. And then with the history and development of Israel, Israel eventually gets its own legs, becomes its own nation, and then their king of kings, the guy who did it the best, is, king, is considered King Solomon. That was the peak of the empire. So you have Pharaoh over here, you have Solomon over here, and we actually have two different forms of knowledge. This form isn't really us, by the way. Looks powerful, looks like it has it all together, but it's not really knowledge. It's not really power. There's this thing over here, the, the Solomon type of wisdom, that really is. Now, what's, what's the Solomon kind of wisdom? What is, what is that? Well, I want to show you folks a picture from this weekend. Beautiful shot. There's two dear friends, Jason and Tara. And, and uh, Jason and Tara, I did their wedding years and years and years ago. It was their anniversary and uh, this, this weekend, so they sent me a little picture of them out enjoying a, enjoying a tasty beverage. And, you know, folks, it just, it just is interesting because life, right? We can live life with all these worries, all these concerns, all the blah, 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 blah. You know, income tax season is coming up. That is, like, I'm already nervous about taxes, and I, I don't even, I'm not even an accountant. I just get nervous about that stuff. Crazy as that is, right? Like, how do you fill all these forms out? And I have them all out. All that crazy stuff. My head spends a lot of time there. And then you get a text from two wonderful souls. And all of a sudden, we all know something different. What I knew over here were all these worries and concerns, worries and concerns, worries and concerns. I get a text with a beautiful picture and we know something different. Somehow true knowledge, like it's interesting. 
False knowledge is always freighted deeply with worry and anxiety, sometimes appropriately so, like we have to take care of things. But then there's this other part over here where we have this other true knowledge, and you know what it's freighted with? Celebration. Like celebration. I got another text over the weekend from the Rothwells, who, who many people in our local congregation would know. They welcomed their first granddaughter, just so fun, because I did the wedding, and now there's a baby, and the baby's name is Harper, and the baby's beautiful. Whole different set of knowledge. And the question becomes, like, what set of knowledge do you want to live in? Where do you want to be? Because in the end, I, I think it's very interesting looking at how the story goes. Pharaoh, we have pyramids. You know, this deep dedication, this focus, this worship of one person. And in a pyramid, you could fit one person. <laughs> and then you have, and again, it doesn't exist today except for a small little part of it. And then you have the temple that Solomon built. And notice with this temple, folks, notice the spaciousness. Notice the spot for God and the spot for people. Notice the beauty. And it's not dedicated to one person, it's dedicated to the one God. Very, very different. So as we go through today, let's, let's really just, just start to think, yeah, what would it look like? Like, how do we look at this knowledge, this Pharaoh knowledge? We're gonna look at that today. And then how do we start to shift our knowledge so maybe we can spend more time with the deeper knowledge, the deeper knowledge that brings a smile, the deeper knowledge that brings this knowledge that life is good, this deeper knowledge that brings us to our true selves because it brings us closer to God. So friends, welcome. Welcome to New Church Live. Everyone, how can you sleep at a time like this unless the dreamer is the real you? Listen to your voice, the one that tells you to taste past the tip of your tongue, leap in the net with a beer. I don't want to wait before the dream is over. I'm gonna make it mine. I, I know it, I'm gonna make it mine Yes, I'll make it all mine I keep my life on a heavy rotation Requesting that it's lifting you up, up, up and away And over to a table at the Gratitude Cafe I am finally there all the angels they'll be singing la 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 lovely well i don't want to break before the door is over i'm gonna make in mine yes i i will own it i'm gonna make in mine yes i'll make it all
time means everything This time there's plenty I am balancing Careful and steady Never needed energy that everyone's admitted Well, I don't want to wait no more Yes, I want to celebrate the whole world I'm going to make it mine Oh, yes, I I will show it I'm going to make it mine Because I'm following your joy I'm going to make it mine That's why I will show it I'm going to make it Oh, my Can I make it, make it, make it, make it, make it, make it mine All mine Yes, I'll make it all mine Thank you. Beautiful, Ethan. Thank you. I love that, that line that Ethan's saying, you know, that, that celebrate the whole world. I mean, that is, that is part of where we start to, like, move to knowledge. And, and friends, like, our paradigm around knowledge really matters. Really matters. How many of us, and here we're going to externalize it. We could internalize it very easily. How many of us have a friend who everything is simply negative? <laughs> no matter what happens. Everything is negative. Well, that's because they have a certain frame of reference, a certain point of view. And the crazy part of it, folks, is, is when we have a perspective and we have a frame of reference, we have a point of view, what happens is that it will attract evidence. Like somebody who really struggles with negativity, they'll give you a million reasons. They, if it was a geometric proof, they win. Because they can prove that life actually is that bad. How different to celebrate the whole world with different evidence there is for that. And that's one of the core human decisions is which are we going to take? The root of Pharaoh and that belief and power, which is actually a foreign power. It's not actually who we are. Or do we go to more of this Solomon type of wisdom, this deeper ways of knowing? This will attract certain evidence. This will attract certain evidence. This will appear very powerful. But I'm going to say this a couple of times, folks. When we think of the pharaohs, number one thing we think of is a pyramid. A pyramid is always nothing more than this, a tomb. A tomb. So let's talk about that. Let's look at this. So I, I want to start out by looking at Pharaoh. Again, we're going thousands of years ago. We're looking at this as poetic truth. A big part of, of the Bible, a whole, a whole book of the Bible is called Exodus because literally it's about the, the children of Israel. They're called the children of Israel in the Bible. The founders of modern day Israel, they literally are enslaved in Egypt and then they, they, they get out from under the thumb of slavery and that's the Exodus back to the promised Land, the exodus back to the promised land. And folks, with, with that, Pharaoh did not let them go easily. And there's famous lines there, let my people go. Uh, you know, that's Moses, who's the leader. If you're not, not aware of that part of the story, Moses is this ordained leader. He comes down, he tells Pharaoh, like, let, God says, let my people go. But Pharaoh has no interest in that. And the Bible has a beautiful way of describing that, that the Bible describes it as Pharaoh's hardened heart. 
Now, there's an appearance in the Bible, from a Christian New Church perspective, that God actually hardens his heart. That's really not what's happening. It's, it's, it's part of us that has a hard heart. Part of us that has a hard heart. And they can live into that. Here's the passage about a hard heart. This is from Exodus 7, verses 1 through 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I've made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. So it's, it's this idea, folks, of, of this part of us that, that really, you know, it's in power, and it doesn't want to let that go. Friends, again, just to use the example of negativity, one of the hardest things about negativity is that it can become a racket. It can become something we really don't want to let go of. I know as a teacher, you know, sometimes watching students who struggled with this, with everything they would go into, it'd be like, oh yeah, this, I'm going to, Mr. Blair, I'm going to fail this test. I know I'm going to fail it. And it's weird because that, it's a weird way of like having power over your life in a weird way, and people have a hard time letting that go. They have a hard time letting go of what they know to be, what they quote unquote know to be true. And what hardens our heart is an ego, is, is the ego part of us. And what does it say? Well, this is what it says, folks. It says real simply these two words. It says, I know. It says, I know. That's that's a significant thing to remember is, is, is it's so easy in life to step into places and really believe that you actually know. You actually know exactly what's going on in any situation. And then oftentimes being human beings, we are sure we know not only what people did, we're positive of what they did. Positive. But we also know all their motivations. We're sure of it. We fall into that all the time. We can't, as Ethan's saying about, you're not going to get to the point where you can celebrate the whole world. You're not going to get to that point if you believe you really know everything about everyone. I mean, I take you back to being, to being uh, you know, a kid and probably a young adult. For those of you young adults, you know, doesn't it just like get your back up when someone says, I know why you did that? I always think, no, you don't. I know why you did that. I remember, folks, you know, it's an experience that, you know, why, why places like going to Ronald McDonald House, St. Francis Inn are so important is that they'll, 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 they'll shatter all those illusions of what we know in a good way, in a healthy way. And it's a story I've shared before, but I, it was so poignant to me. You know, this, this young couple sitting down there, uh, you know, they're having dinner. He's, he's all tat tattooed up. You know, he looks, looks a little rough. And I, you know, and of course, judgment in my head starts going off about this, that. The, I mean, all these, these stupid judgments. And I'm smart enough to know now to sit down that that's the exact person I should sit down and have dinner with. Because God's going to surprise me. God did. I mean, they were the sweetest couple one could have ever imagined. I mean, just a beautiful couple. But my judgments wouldn't have told me that. If I stayed there in Egypt, in the foreign land, refused to travel, 
And I never would have known that. And there's part of me that always wants to just stay in those judgments. To just stay in that righteousness. To stay in that position of power where I know it all. And that's, that's just a bad place to be. It's, it's interesting, you know, when Emmanuel Swinburne talks about hell, a phrase he uses a lot, which I think we can all identify with, is so much of hell is based on this, three words, contempt of others. And, and when we're really sitting in the place where we know, we know exactly why everyone is doing everything, it feeds a huge amount of contempt. Folks, just look at social media. Look how much that feeds contempt of other people. And it's contempt of other people. It's not just, this is, this is, not, this is gonna be hard to describe. It's not just that you have slid over here, like here's this box labeled contempt of other people. There's a self-righteousness to it. There's a top of the pyramid part to it that I actually know. And that, that justifies all the contempt. That's a, that's a tough place to be. We're warned, here's a warning right out of a piece, uh, out of the book, Heaven and Hell. We must be aware of passing judgment on the interstate of anyone's mind or heart from their externals. Inner realities are known to the Lord alone. Beautiful line. We're warned like, yeah, you just, you, just, you just don't know. You just don't know. Because when we do that, folks, when we, when we get into kind of contempt of other people and it, it gets to its extreme, this is what we can struggle with. Just think of these lines, and I think probably most of us have at least a little part of this in us somewhere. I mean, I think there's a few souls I've met who I'm sure don't, but I think most of us probably do. It's where I know they are, dot, 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 so, dot, dot, dot. I absolutely know this about them. Therefore, dot, dot, dot. Here's some examples. I love to dream up ways to plot or to punish her or him. That's pretty extreme. Hopefully none of us are there, but, but we can get there. I find myself growing happier with any sign of her or his distress of, or failing. And the last one, if I'm honest, I don't want to see them happy or successful. Folks, one of, one of the things we have to do if we're gonna do the Christian thing is we have to look in the mirror on occasion. We have to be able to look and go like, oh yeah, yeah. I do that on occasion. Now, we can do that in really nice language, like, you know, somebody we've had a struggling relationship with, they start to have a struggle, and it's like, well, I always knew life would be hard for them. You know, those, those kind of those, those statements where we're, we're actually relishing, can we go back to that slide? We're actually relishing a little bit in that, yeah, I, what's really relishing, and I, I knew they'd never be happy. I knew they'd never be successful. Where we relish that in a certain way. Because, you see folks, it pulls right back into Pharaoh because if they're not successful, all my predictions were right. See, I told you. It might be true. <laughs> we have people who live life, friends who are, or, or former friends or former whatever, who do struggle and, and when they struggle, you know, the struggle will be the struggle. There you go. But, but, but just, just, just be so careful. Do we really want to live like that? Do we really want to go through the world celebrating that? Celebrating other people's mistakes? The times where they didn't do it so well? 
Very different, very different than celebrating the whole world. Because the fact is, folks, we don't want to be there. We do not want to live that way. And you have to ask our questions, do we want to keep these thoughts? The fact is, I think most of us get, the vast majority of people, vast majority, when you talk to them, they don't want to keep those thoughts. I, I don't know, if we go, go back to the topic of negativity, I don't know anyone that I've met as a pastor who struggles with negativity, who's, who thinks it's a great way to go. You know, I, I just haven't experienced that. It's a little like most of the time, the vast majority of the time, the people in our life who struggle with addiction, yeah, they're struggling, and they're struggling mightily. And it might look like they want to be an addict. I can tell you, they don't. They know the score. They know how hard that is. Somebody struggling with negativity, same thing. They know the score. They know how hard that is. They want to be able to see it some different way, but, but Pharaoh is not letting them go. That, that ego part of our brain, that, that, that self-centered part of our brain, uh, that part that is, is not connected to the better angels of our nature, but that part that's connected to hereditary evils, to, to, to difficult tendencies we have to make the wrong decisions, that shadow self, that part that's connected to hell, it, it, just, it just doesn't want to let it go. It will not let it go. It's a little like, folks, one of the, one of the things a, a friend told me, and I think it's really true, we've said it a lot in here, if you're someone with, who struggles with anger, it's important to remember, all anger ever wants is to be angry. That's it. Because it just wants to self-perpetuate itself. I mean, that's sort of the, the insanity of evil in a lot of ways. So... How do we move out of this, folks? You know, how do we move out of being enslaved? Enslaved. Well, here's kind of a, here's kind of a way it starts to happen. And, and this is not a programmatic thing. This is, this is coming at it from this idea, and it's, it's, it's a significant one. Your life is going to be lived in such a way that God's divine providence is going to be constantly pulling you out of this stuff and pulling you towards the type of wisdom we're talking about, towards you, put, pour, you to, point you towards that Solomon wisdom. And, and some of the time, it'll just be little reminders. You know, you can be having a hard day, I don't know, and a couple called Jason and Tara send you a note of them drinking a beer. And all of a sudden, like, we just note everything. So it's just these little breadcrumbs that are starting to lead us this direction. Sometimes it's more dramatic, and I think heaven is when we actually make that last transition and we're now living over here. We're not over here in Egypt anymore. We're actually free and we've established something that has a very different kind of ruling structure to it. But this is all part of the journey. It's not like we look at Pharaoh, we go like, oh yeah, that was a big mistake. No, that's, that's part of the journey, folks. That's part of how it goes. We'll all do that. And God in his providence is always leading us, again, to the rock that is higher than I, but those, but those character flaws, what they will do is they will plague us. So there's a conversation to have. You know, what are, what are the character flaws that plague you? You're just like, oh, just wish I could let it go. Could be revenge, could be jealousy, could be anger, could be 
could be you know, any of, the, any of the, the, the seven great sins, you know, could be any number of things that, that plague us. And they, they literally plague us. And that's where we pick back up on this story. Now, a little background here. So Pharaoh has refused to let the people go. He said, well, not let them go. So God says, all right, there's going to be plagues. And that's what happens. Like it's a natural consequence of sorts that we get plagued by things. We get plagued by things so we can't move forward. And I won't read it all because it's a very long part of the Bible, but these are the plagues. Turning water to blood, frogs, lice or gnats, wild animals, pestilence of livestock, boils, hail and fire, locusts, three days of darkness, death of the firstborn. All these, all these things that, are, that plague the Egyptian people until Pharaoh finally says, all right, enough. He cries, uncle, you can go. I want to talk about that, that last one in particular, folks, that idea that the death of the firstborn. It's an Old Testament story where God says, all right, I'm pulling out the big gun here. This is what's going to happen. All the firstborns of the Egyptians are going to die. The firstborns of the, of the, the Jewish people are going to live. That's where literally we get the term Passover because the angel of death passed over those houses that had, had, had Jewish inhabitants, had Israel, Israel in there. And it's, it's sort of a horrific story in a certain way. And from a, from a Christian New Church perspective, we believe it's the appearance. It's the appearance that God is doing. This reality is like, it's what happens in us. It's just part of life that, yeah, we get plagued. And, and then we finally get to that, to that big one. We move through these plagues. And then there's this sort of this master sin, so to speak. This part where it's just like, oh boy, if I could just let that go. It's, it's sort of the, what is the headwaters? of our character flaws. And folks, it's not about like looking at that going like, oh, look how bad and wrong and evil. No, it's, it's we have these things and God's gonna help us get rid of these things. And when that, when that firstborn, when the headwaters kind of go, something new can grow and we can start actually moving into freedom. I mean, I think of a light one for myself. This is a lighter one. I don't want to call it a headwaters one, but it's, it's been a big one for me, you know, since... Since being a little boy, like, I'm very much a people pleaser. Struggle with that a lot. And thankfully, that's gotten easier over the years. Uh, but it was a struggle, particularly, in, I think, back to high school and, and my college years. And I remember, you know, at the New Church Live office, probably, probably I don't know, seven or eight years ago now, the, the mailman came in to deliver the mail, and he had a misaddressed envelope in there, an address that was supposed to go somewhere else. And he hands it to me, and I look at this, and for a moment, I'm like, if I give this back, this is how crazy our heads are. If I give this envelope back to him and said he delivered it wrong, it's wrong address, he'll be upset at me and won't like me. Like, I'm, at that time, I'm, I'm in my early 50s. Like, hello. <laughs> That's crazy. And again, smart enough now to know just do it. Don't give, don't give oxygen to that thought. But, but those are the parts, folks, where, where something else, it's, it's, it's you know, I, I think this is so important. God's always in this game of freedom. And he really wants us to be free. And when you can kind of step upwind a little bit, when you step upstream a little bit, we can look at those things, maybe get in a conversation, yeah, what, what is the firstborn here? And then you can work to, to start to eradicate that. And it's, it's small little things, folks. 
It's never anything big. It's progress, not perfection. It's not overnight. When we start to do that, that the game here is freedom. The game is, is moving us forward in life because, because once that stuff goes, friends, there's, there's all kinds of incredible, beautiful stuff that happens right on the other side of that. And it's a place where we can celebrate life. It's a place where we're finally free. When I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about what that freedom is like to give a little taste of what we're going to talk about next week. Search forever to find you When you're on this route Of the path of least resistance You blink so fast you miss it Moving forward you can rewind to But learn to live without Take a second to look behind you But learn to be here now And no matter the space of distance There's love inside the vision Hey, what are you waiting for? There's no better time than now. Hey, yeah. where are you going? You don't have to leave. Just stay right here and see all that life could be with me. And now I'm overwhelmed and overwhelmed. There's no one to tell. I keep on fighting under a spell at times I fell and all is well There's no use in crying I'm starting new A new me today Create a space to grow but not alone to go with the flow And keep on hiding 
Not on my own, I'll find a home and let the light be shown. I'll be flying. No better time than now. Hey, yeah. Where are you going? You don't have to leave. Just stay right here and see all that life could be. Stay with me. Thank you. It's an original by Ethan Kane. What a, what a beautiful song, and it's, it's just, I, I so appreciate how hard these musicians work to, to pick music. I'm not a musical person, but how hard they work to pick songs that just fit so well. And that, that song fits so well, right? We're, we're talking, yeah, what are we waiting for? What's, what's this new melody that we can, we can move towards? And I shouldn't even say move towards. It's, it's that God is moving us towards, because we're all plagued by stuff. We all battle the plagues. And we all know that God somehow, it just feels like we're always moving that way. We're always moving into this, into this new space. And that's where, again, we can really come to go back to the first song. We can really come back to celebrating the world in its fullness, in its totality. Now, none of this stuff, friends, you know, is, is introduced overnight. I think this is a real important concept. This is a paraphrase from the book Secrets of Heaven. It's not good to expect any, someone to believe something right away. When the truth is forcefully imposed on someone, it becomes unconvincing and inflexible. In the afterlife, this kind of truth is seen as rigid and doesn't allow for goodness to seep in. This, this idea, folks, it's, it's about letting, letting, this, letting this movement, like letting it seep in. Letting this journey sleep, seep in slowly. It's really hard to, to, to make a decision, and at least I haven't seen it, you know, where, where somebody makes a dramatic decision overnight, and then from there on out, it's all easy sailing. I, it doesn't tend to work. I mean, maybe on occasion some people can do that. I have not seen it. But the beauty of just, yeah, I just have to be open, friends. I have to be open. And here I'm speaking for all of us. I'm using the royal eye here, you know. I have to be open to allowing all this to seep in. Those little tiny moments, again, the, the picture from Tara and Jason, the, the picture from the Rothwells about little baby Harper arriving in this world, you know, the little phone call, the little text message, the, the dinner with friends last night, they, all these, I, I mean, those are the little things. We allow them to seep in. A quote, well worth remembering, one that I use a lot is, Believe in spite of the evidence and watch the evidence change. We allow that stuff to seep in and all of a sudden the world starts to fill with all new kinds 
of evidence. And of course, we still have to do the work of repentance, the work of rethinking where we make mistakes. We have to be accountable. We have to rectify them as best we can. We have to be super, super rigorously honest about those places where we're, where we're not at our best, where we've made mistakes. Again, we gotta clean up, we gotta do all those hard things are still true. But through that, we're allowing something else to seep in. And what do we come to, folks? I think we come to know something far different. Instead of that judgment, instead of that deadly tomb, top-down, judging everyone, absolutely sure we know we're the absolute ruler. I know, I know, I know. We're absolutely sure we know everything. We get to this point where we know something different. I know this is when we look at other people. I know this is a fellow human being created by God, deserving of love and compassion. So we talked about, again, like how tempting it can be to have somebody in our life where, where we actually, you know, very quietly may wish for them to struggle and may very quietly, because it would not make polite conversation, may very quietly sort of celebrate when they do stumble. Not the world we want to live in. The world we want to live in, I know this is a fellow human being created by God, deserving of love and compassion. Can I summarize that for us in two words? Good will. That's the whole reason Jesus came on the planet. Angels proclaiming peace on earth, good will to humanity. Good will. A very different world gets created out of that, a very different way of living. And what we see, folks, is, is we see this, we see our lives then moving towards a new wisdom, towards this kind of this solemn wisdom. And this, this solemn wisdom, it, it's not like, you know, I, I think about, about, you know, we have this view of wisdom like the, the, the really brilliant guru up on the hilltop, you know, who knows all things. Bad joke about a guru. You know what a guru teaches you? G-U-R-U. Um, that's a bad joke, isn't it? And, and, and this is what a guru kind of teaches you. know, But it's not sort of that mountaintop knowledge. No, it's actually knowledge in the valley. I mean, I, I love talking to smart people, but I, I also, I find much more wisdom in the wonderful people who are down in the valley doing the do. Hey, no, they really know. Their lives have moved. They've allowed something to seep in. And miraculously, miraculously, they have figured out a way to celebrate the world. And I'm not talking sort of a Pollyannish, like, you know, I'm talking where they, even in the hardships, there's, there's sort of this flavor, sort of this flavor of celebration. Not celebrating that bad things happen, but, but celebrating of what we as human beings can create, what we can do. Do you want to see what that looks like? Take a look at this video. Finally tonight, CBS's Steve Hartman goes on the road for a story about love, loss, and hope. Working at this vehicle inspection site in Katy, Texas, Signals work. was never part of Jalen Gray's Great. plan. Far from it. He actually wanted to be a park ranger but quit college and gave up the dream. It's not a really good feeling. 
giving up at all. But um, sometimes it's not quitting; it's just doing the right thing. Yeah, I had to do what I had to do. So, go, go, go! As we first reported last year, Jalen's little brother Julian became his sole priority. He's my reason. All right, let's go. His reason and his responsibility. Their mother and only parent died three years ago. I just miss her so much. From that day on, I swore, you know, at all costs, I'm protecting them. Unfortunately, their lives went from bad to unbearable. Nowhere to go. After that big freeze hit Texas a couple years ago, the pipes burst in their house, the one their mother left them, and ruined everything. So strange times. Then the contractor Jalen hired to fix it took their life savings. Tragic, isn't it? The boys were pretty much homeless, living with their last surviving close relative when a nonprofit called Katie Responds caught wind. The group fixes up houses after natural disasters. Over the years, they've helped more than 100 families, but few more worthy than those boys. Yeah, it breaks your heart. Had to help. Had to. Executive Director Ron Peters. They had no idea people would, would want to jump in and help them. Which may explain their speechless surprise. I was overwhelmed. Thanks to an army of donors and volunteers, the brothers are finally and forever back in their mother's house. Fully renovated, better than ever. There's just so many nice people in this room right now and it makes me so happy. Since we first told this story, life for the boys has only gotten better. Viewers pitched in and are now paying for Jalen to go back to college to become a park ranger. All expenses paid? All expenses paid. What a turn of events for you. Yeah, I know. Complete 180. This random acts of kindness helped me get there. When their mother died, Julian and Jalen thought all they had was each other. But they were off by one whole nation. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Katy, Texas. Just so many things could say about that, that video. And, you know, just sort of stream of consciousness here, like just seeing that, that director of that nonprofit, and it just, man, it just gets me teary. Like, you just see his face, he's just like, we had to. We had to. We had to. See, that's, that's that new wisdom. It's, it's not soft. It's not up there on the hill. It's down here in the valley. It's doing stuff. And it, it senses what it has to do. And then somehow this, this celebrating the whole world, like when the, when the younger son is there on the couch and he's, he's crying and no doubt, you know, he's no doubt crying because he misses his mom. And he's no doubt crying because he sees how good people are. He sees it. What else can you do in face of that but cry? And we all know that. Like, I don't know, thankfully, I don't know anyone who would look at a video like that and think, well, that's really stupid. Pharaoh might say that. But Solomon never would. Which world do you want to live in? What voice do you want to hear? 
What knowledge do you want to function from? And friends, you know the answer to that question. This week, live that answer well. Amen. What we're going to do now, friends, is we're going to take a little breath. And we're going to close the service with a little prayer, the Our Father prayer, a blessing, and then we're going to close with a final song. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to look at, to consider, to think through the way knowledge might actually work and, and how deep knowing might become part of our lives. As we move through this week ahead, Lord, we think of your line, letting it seep in, that idea of it seeping in. These little moments, these little spots, these touches of grace, these memories of what we actually, at our deepest level, know. That we are here to serve. That we are here to love. We're not here to feed our own contempt or self-righteousness of others. We're here to reflect the goodwill. To reflect the goodwill that you have for all of your creation. For all of humanity, saints and sinners alike. Because we know, Lord, this. We know as well that is us. Blessed and broken. Be with us in this week ahead, Lord. Help us to know what we truly know and to live it in ways that make a difference. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thine will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen. chances with the distance now I'm back on my feet just a man his will to survive so many times it happens so fast you trade your passion for glory don't lose your grip on the dreams of the past you must fight just to keep them alive it's the eye of the tiger, it's the thrill of the fight Rising up to the challenge of our rivals And the last known survivor starts his prey in the night And he's watching them all with the eye of the tiger 
face to face out in the heat hanging tough staying hungry they stack the odds then we take to the street for the kill with the skill to survive it's the eye of the tiger it's the thrill of the fight rising up to the challenge of our rivals and the last known survivor starts his prey in the night and he's watching them all with the eye of the tiger rising up straight to the top had the guts got the glory Now I'm not gonna stop Just a man and his will to survive It's the eye of the tiger It's the fill of the fight Rising up to the challenge of our rivals And the last known survivor Starts his prey in the night And he's watching them all With the eye of the tiger I am the tiger The eye of the tiger Thank you guys, have a great week.